huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now I have a question for you. What's your story about money? What's your relationship with money? Now, if I'm frank, mine's a a long love affair, some adultery. Um, It's definitely not finished. I'm hoping for a happy ending. There's been some cliffhangers. There's been some highs. There's been some lows, some ebbs and flows. uh, And I'm sure there is with yours too. But the reality about your story of money is that money is a mirror of you. Um, So money is made by machines that are made by man. Therefore, money is a mirror of man. Therefore, money becomes what you project onto it. Now, of course, society is full of projections onto us. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil and money is greed and money is power. But conversely, money is philanthropy, money has cured many diseases that have been cured, money has funded all research that has developed mankind, money has financed technology which is improving our lives. So money isn't good or bad or right or wrong. Money is a universal mechanism of exchange of value which is neutral and amoral. It has no emotion, it has no fear, no guilt, no greed, no power. But as soon as the beholder touches it, it becomes the beholder. So money is you. So everything you feel about other people and money, whether you feel they're greedy or, you know, whether you feel that they don't care enough about society or that they're power hungry or whatever they are, is a mirror of all of the traits that you own in yourselves that you haven't honoured, mastered, owned, if you like. And that can be a really hard thing to take. So um, if you take a little journey with me, I wonder if you can relate to this. I kind of had a good start when it came to money. Uh, Not that that we had a lot in my family, but my dad was and still is a classic entrepreneur. Highs and lows, highs and lows, millions bust, millions bust. Um, But he always gave me a good education around money. He taught me to count money really, really, really early. Used to love playing pool. And the, in the old days, and um, when dad had the pool tables in his pubs, we had those old 10Ps that were huge. They were like that. And, um, you know, we used to empty the pool table and we'd count the money together so you could count it the fastest and the best. 
And um, he always got me touching and feeling money from a young age. And he used to go around the, the pubs and clubs and bars and hotels that he was buying. And he used to buy all the equipment and go to auctions and buy them cash and bid. And he raised me to have a good relationship with money. Uh, and then when I went out on my own in the world to school, sixth form and university and society had more of an impression on me than my dad did. And I started getting some failures and I started um, you know, losing my confidence and not believing myself. I started to listen to the noise of the masses such that I don't deserve wealth. And, you know, if you have wealth, then you're arrogant or you're you're showing off or you're greedy or you're power hungry. So I started listening to rebellious political music like Rage Against the Machine and the system and all this kind of stuff. And, and then all of a sudden it was all bad. And I, I had these ex- extreme polarised relationships with money. And it wasn't until a significant emotional event in my life where my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers. And um, he was diagnosed, ultimately he was um, sectioned, he was arrested by the police and treated pretty um, brutally by the police. And they must have felt threatened. Uh, And um, he was diagnosed with bipolar uh, syndrome or manic depression as it's also known. And, you know, my hero had um, been, you know, humiliated and for many, many years, we didn't know who my dad was or where he was or what dad was going to turn up. What, you know, manic depression is also you're really high and life is amazing. But then, of course, you have these really highs and really lows. And it was weird. That was my experience with money over my life. Really great or really bad, really great or really bad. And so it can, it can become an addiction like a food addiction or, you know, some kind of drug addiction. Um, and it wasn't until then that it kickstarted me to make a change and to go back to my past experience of money, which was actually money is a fuel for good and money can, you know, all the pubs and bars and hotels that my dad had, you know, he hired dozens of people and all the people that used to come to his pub, all the, all the jockeys in Newmarket and all the, um, the stable lads and all of that, you know, they had a great time. And, and, you know, he was creating this community way back before we were in uh, online. Um, and so when I got back in touch with the great gifts that money brings, I was able to have a better relationship with it, more of a marriage, you know, rather than a crazy affair. It was funny that when I was a kid, I loved cars and dad used to get me working for money in the pub, putting the bottles on the shelf, going down the cellar, bringing them up myself. He used to teach me um, that, you know, if I work hard and I do meaningful work, I'll get rewarded. And he used to make me work and then he'd pay me at the end of the week. And then I go to at the end of the week, I'd go down the local pound shop because the pound was a lot of money back then. And the pound could buy you a picture of a Ferrari or a Corvette or a Lamborghini. And he used to buy one each week. And that was my goal. I'd work in the week. I'd get my pound for doing bottling up on a Saturday or a Sunday. My dad would have had me work in mornings and evenings before and after school. But mum wouldn't let him do that because I was at school. So and then I'd go and buy these pictures of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and everything else. I'd put them on the wall. And from a young kid, I'd be like, oh, that's what I want in my life. Now, forget Ferraris and Lamborghinis and cars for a second. I was a young kid, but you've probably done that. You probably had these dreams. You probably have these things that you want, a beautiful house, a beautiful family. You want to be able to travel the world, you know, all the things that you want. And then somehow society and other people and haters and critics and trolls, you let them get in your ear and they convince you, oh, you can't have those big high falutin dreams. You know, you, you bring you back down here, you know, the tall poppy syndrome. And so probably when you were young or at some point when you didn't have all this fear and societal projection of how you should be, you had these massive dreams and you had this vision of something great that you wanted to do with your life. And I had a vision board way before they were calling them vision boards because I had all the cars all the way around my bedroom. And then you let the voices and the noise of the masses 
Uh, and often it's the voices of the masses and your parents, if you haven't been raised with a good money psychology, that become the voices in your head. And then it becomes you because you tell yourself so much that it becomes a voice inside you. And then you let it go. Or you say, oh, well, you shouldn't be focused on money. Oh, money is the root of all evil. Oh, I don't want to be perceived as greed or powerful. Or I don't want to be judged. I'm just going to have this normal job and this normal life. And, you know, uh, who am I? And I, I just want to be the person that says to you that you can do anything that you put your mind to. And you can have a great relationship with money. And I had that experience. Um, and it was only until sort of 25 when I started to honour again um, that I could have my dreams and goals financed and fueled by money because nothing else was going to finance and fuel it. Um, yeah, and, and so for example, when I was about, what, 24 years old, I was out with one of my friends and there was a Ferrari 430 Spider that drove past. And that was, out of any car I've ever wanted in my life, any, any ma uh, material item, the Ferrari 430 Spider. Oh, that was my dream car back then. And as he drove past, I turned to my mate and said, you see that, Ferrari driver? Wanker. Drug, drug dealer, you know, and I was just like giving it all this drug dealer, all this kind of stuff, which I didn't even know the guy. I had no idea who he was. Now in Peterborough, there's probably only one Ferrari and it probably is a drug dealer. But the point is, I projected my own insecurities, fears, doubts, the, the pain of myself onto someone else. Uh, and, and the reality, the reason I did that was because I was jealous. I was envious. I felt shame and guilt and um, a lack of worth. And I thought, how could this guy be successful, um, you know, when I'm not? And I, I felt like I needed to pull him back to, to, to my level. And this is what society does. And anyone who's critiquing you, hating you, any, anyone in society, um, you know, that is really trying to get in your way of developing the life that you want, ultimately, it's because... They don't want to feel stretched and uncomfortable and empty in themselves because if they have to look at themselves and know they know that they could be more, you make them feel uncomfortable. You scratch their itch by being a success. Now, in, in the UK, I know I've got subscribers um, in 174 countries on the podcast, um, but in the UK, we're really bad at that. You know, in other countries... Um, success is elevated, you're pedestalised, you're admired, you're modelled. People, people look at you and go, ah, you're successful. You must have done something I can do. You know, you must be doing something right. Let me learn it. But in the UK, we're going, ah, oh, you're successful. You must have conned people. You must have stolen. You must have, you know, you must be greedy and power hungry. Um, and, and we pull these people down. And I think that's the worst thing that we can do. Because if we try and pull other people down to our level, we haven't got anyone to pull us up. And the best way to become wealthy is to find someone who's wealthy and, and have them pull you up. And if you pull them down, they're not going to pull you up. And so this, and, and you know, and you may have had that same journey in your life. Um, but it was funny because at the age of, what, 25, nearly 26, I kind of just thought, well, you know what? These things that I want, I do want them. And if people are going to challenge me and criticise me, I still want them. And because my life had got so bad and I got into so much debt, I, I didn't, you know, I had nothing to lose. I was like, well, you know, Oh, if it don't work out, I'll probably go bust in a couple of weeks or maybe a month at best. So, ah, sorry, all these things I want, I might as well try them. And then I went on this sort of um, ravenous. Two of the most common questions I'm getting asked at the moment is where do I buy my watches and where do I buy my gold? People don't know this, but I've invested in gold for 17 years. If you go back to 1971, the birth of fiat currency, the devaluation of money. Money's gone down by 85% in value since then. But you could buy one ounce of gold for about $30, which peaked to over $1,500. Gold is a great defensive asset class. 
Gold is a great hedge against the matrix and the system. It's a great hedge against inflation. And I've finally found someone who I am now partnering and has become a sponsor on the show, and that is Josh Saul of The Pure Gold Company. He has a special offer where you can get a complimentary investor guide and book an appointment to get your own private consultation at pure-gold.co forward slash Rob hyphen more. I buy my gold from this company. So if you'd like to just buy the gold or get the investor guide, go right now to pure-gold.co forward slash Rob hyphen more. Big shout out to the Pure Gold Company for collaborating and sponsoring this episode. Rampage of learning about money and personal development and psychology and positivity and business and finance. And um, so, you know, my new book, Money, which, by the way, just quick break, listen to this. It's not an infomercial as such, but it is important to you. It's a bit of a story about the book, Money. Essentially, my new book, Money, which is out, if you're listening, is today. So you've got to go and get it today. If you're watching, it's on Thursday in two days. Um, It's an 11-year research study. But in reality, I've been learning about money and my relationship with money probably since I was six years old when dad got me working and bottling up and earning money and, you know, showing me the, he showed me two worlds. He showed me the world of if you work and you're an entrepreneur and you hustle, as the Americans call it, and you solve problems. And, you know, I used to go around um, cleaning and hoovering up because there used to be money hidden on the carpet and the floor. And I knew that. So I said to my dad, could I do the cleaning? Because A, I wanted to clean and get paid, but I also knew I could find money. And my dad taught me, If you go and provide value and if you go and offer your services, the world will reward you. He taught me that at six years old. So from six till 38, I've been having this degree, this university, this home studying of money. But of course, it hasn't all gone well. And I've, you know, I um, was making all right money when I was young. I had lots of businesses on the side as a, you know, an early teenager. And then I kind of got myself into a lot of credit card debt, sort of 50 odd thousand pounds, you know, and then I made tens of millions. And hopefully I'll, I'll keep learning and sharing with you. So my new book, Money, um, Make More, Grow More, Give More, is an 11-year research study of the laws, the strategies, the tactics, the story, the psychology, and the history of money told through me, but also using, I use a lot of examples of people like Damien Hurst and Andy Warhol, who were people I admire because I used to be an artist, but also because they honoured business and money. In fact, Andy Warhol says, um, business is the best art and art is the best business. And what a great way of looking at money. And most people see business and art. And by the way, art can be anything. It can be a passion. I get excited about this, as you can see. Um, you know, Art is anything that you love to do that's a hobby. But a hobby is something you love to do, but you don't make any money out of it, but you need money to fund it. So the, the irony and the paradox is that if you want to do your hobbies, i.e. your passions, the things you love to do, you need money to fuel the free time. Like one of my passions is golf and one of my passions for my son is raising a, a, a great golfer. And that costs thousands and thousands of pounds. So to say, oh, well, you know, just do what you love and the money will follow and you don't need money to do your, you know, passions and the best things in life are free. But in order for you to do them, you need to finance them. You at least finance the time so that you can do them. Jin um, has just asked, is money available on Audible? Well, yes, um, it's only available on Audible until October. So you can get it on Audible. You can get it on, go to Amazon and get it through Audible where you just click the audio button. And also you can get it on iTunes. And then if you want the physical paperback version, which is a shorter version, so the new audio version is the unabridged 16 hours and 40 odd minutes worth is everything and then the book will be about a quarter less because I'm I'm told to go into Smith's 
Waterstones and all the all the global um, actual physical shops. It's got to be a certain size. So yeah, so everything I've ever done and learned and honoured and struggled with and then succeeded in money is in my new book, Money. Um, so um, I'll get back to the story in a minute. But what you need to do is you need to go to Audible or you need to go to iTunes uh, and you need to just search money or it's a black cover with a gold crest. Get yourself a copy and then email me or private message or tag in somewhere on social media your receipt, your proof of purchase. And um, up until launch day, i.e. between now and the end of play on launch day Thursday, and if you're listening, that's now, um, anyone who gets a copy of money until we've got 400, because I can only um, fit 400, so first 400, you um, get two tickets to my brand new Make, Manage and Master Money event. Uh, and it's an event I've never run before. There's what, probably about a day and a half of brand new content. I'm negotiating with a billionaire to be a keynote speaker. I'm currently negotiating with a cryptocurrency expert. I'll be doing three or four keynote speeches. I'll give you the formula for wealth. We'll give you the strategies and the tactics of wealth. I'll give you some actual models you can implement that make you money. So it's not just theory. It's stuff you can do on the ground and actually implement and make money. Um, so you need to go and do that immediately because once we've got the 400 places, um, done, then that's it. I can't do any more. I won't, I'm not planning any more of these events. Now, the 400 places is going to be 200 in the first weekend of November and 200 in the first weekend of December. So November, so we've got two date choices, so there's no excuse if you can't make one of the dates. Um, and it'll be our, in our training academy, which is about an hour from London, so pretty accessible to most people. Even in the globe, you'll be a lot of people travel to my events from all over the world. So you just fly, land in London and then you're about an hour away from London in a place called Peterborough, um, where there aren't many millionaires and billionaires, but hey, I've got to know most of them. And you know, most people think that a millionaire is a certain way, you know, they dress a certain way, they act a certain way, well, that's nonsense. I've met really humble millionaires, I've met millionaires you wouldn't even know millionaires. I've met billionaires who are quiet and, um, you know, don't even want you to know about their wealth. Of course, I've met millionaires and billionaires who are brash and out there and great marketers and self-promoters. But the reality is the millionaire or the billionaire that you judge is a projection of all your beliefs and your story and your fears and doubts and societal imposed um, meanings of money projected out. So if you imagine what a millionaire looks like and how they are, that isn't them. That's a pr projection of you, you know, a bit like R2-D2 projects out Princess Leia um, with the message to Obi-Wan. You know, that's that you're projecting out. And you need to be careful. Remember, um, as I said at the start of this broadcast, um, money is a mirror of mankind. So how do you then make more money? How do you make more money in an ethical, sustainable way that you're comfortable with, that, um, that balances self-interest with humanitarian interest, that gives value and um, produces for society and rewards you and enables you a good life, a better car, a better house, more travel, set up your um, charity and you know, your philanthropic exercises. How do you balance all of those? Well, the first thing is you've got to know what money really is and isn't. And in the book Money, I cover the three commonalities of the richest people in history over the last 6,700 years, the billionaires, the philanthropists, the titans, the, um, the kings, you know, the, the leaders of nations. And one of those commonalities, the other two I'll save for the book for you, but one of them is that they transcended emotions of money and they learned what money really is and isn't. You know, they knew what money was. 
Now, most of society don't know what money is. What most of society does is they have an emotional um, relationship with money, often negative, and they project that onto money and they make that mean money. Um, uh, what the billionaires and the philanthropists and the titans knew is that money is simply an amoral, a of any emotion, universal exchange of value. It's a transfer of energy between producers and consumers. I have a passion. I produce something of value to society. You as the consumer can use it. It's useful to you. And the energy transfer is paper, coin. It used to be grain. It used to be parts of an animal. It used to be stones that were stored at the bottom of the ocean. Over time, in the future, it'll be, it's ones and zeros at the moment through bank transfers. In the future, it'll be digital cryptocurrencies. The current form is irrelevant because in the future, 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 it'll be subcutaneous chips that are exchanging. I just paid for my coffee today with my iPhone by just placing it onto a, you know, onto a sensor. So the, the, the current use, fiat or, you know, non-fiat and, you know, backed by the gold standard or not, it's kind of irrelevant. What it is, is a universal exchange of value. It's my energy producing and your energy consuming in a cyclical fashion. That's what it is. It's a way of measuring your value and worth, you know. So if you have a net worth, you have a financial measure and value of the value that you've created and um, given to society. Now, some people will say, oh, well, some people, they've made money and they've not created value, but that's nonsense. Um, what happens is everyone who creates money has created a perception of value that the market perceives and the market is paying for. Now, if it's scalable and sustainable, like what Elon Musk is doing, like what Steve Jobs did, you know, like what Arnold Schwarzenegger does, like what Warren Buffett, do, Buffett does, then your wealth goes up and 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 up because the perception and the reality merge. If it's unsustainable, like what Madoff did and like what Enron did, the perception is high, the income is high, but as soon as the perception and the reality, there's a disparity and that's gone, then what happens is society sees the real truth and society forces you into bankruptcy, into prison, or even assassinates you, which is done in the past, past, past. So, you know, they are the natural laws of money. So, you know, you can't kid people. You can't bullshit. You can, you can make a fast buck, but you can't make a sustainable amount of wealth. But anyone who's sustained wealth, the reality is what they've done is they've created a product, a service, an invention, some IP, some information, a solution that the world values and the world wants. Then they've committed to showing the world through marketing and personal branding and getting your, your, your message out there to the world persistently and relentlessly because you have to go through challenge because at first the world doesn't believe you because everyone else is trying to do it too, you know, your competitors. And then you get your message out there and then the world sees the value in what you do. And then the money comes and comes and comes and comes and comes. And then if you're wise, because you want to sustain your wealth, sorry if I'm speaking fast, but I'm passionate about this. What you do is you make a profit margin because you charge fair prices. Because if you charge unfair prices, i.e. too much, it's greed and society will want a refund. Uh, not enough, you can't sustain a profit, therefore you go bust. So you get this fair exchange balance. This is all explained in the book where the price is fair between production and the cost of production and the overhead and value. There's a fair balance. You can make maybe a 20% sustained profit margin. Now, what you do if you're wise is you take some of that profit and you fuel the things you want to do in your life so that your self-worth goes up. I'm going on a good holiday. I've got a nice house. I've got a nice car. I'm looking after my family. I feel good about my life and what I'm doing with it. 
but not too greedy. And then what you do is you put the rest of your profit margin, you reinvest, you retain the profits and you reinvest it back into your product or service to make it better. So iPhone two, three, four, five, six, seven, and you reinvest so that you create better solutions. And then what happens is your customer base in the world see that each time you do a new version of your product or you launch something new or you write a new book, that your value is increasing, 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 increasing. And then it rewards you with more money. And then it rewards you with referrals and you get a whole bunch of money. And then you do the same thing again. Now, when you lose sight of that, because you take all of the money and you spend it all on yourself and you're too self-focused, the world will relinquish your power. It will teach you to start giving value back. And if you don't, it will expose you. Um, but then if you get too philanthropic and you give it away and you give it away and you give it away, oh, I'm guilty, give the money away, I'm guilty, give the money away, I don't deserve this money. You can't sustain all your overheads. And then it, it will also force you back into a position of humility. And so, and, and hey, so hey, I could go on. Uh, money is also a store of future value. So, you know, if you've got £10, you know that tomorrow it's pretty certain that £10 is going to be worth about £10. Whereas if you had £10 worth of meat tomorrow, that meat might degrade. And then in a week, it might be worth nothing because you can't do eat it or sell it. So money is a very tangible way of storing value. It protects an uncertain future. So let me just remind you again about money. Um, the problem I found when I was researching and studying money was that there's loads of books on it. There's some good books and some not good books, but there's good and not so good in everything. But there was econo economists, you know, there was Milton Friedman and, and Maynard Keynes, and there was all these people who were really great economists. And so I learned about the, uh, the economy and the movement of money, but it was dry, it was difficult. It was like, you know, being at university and not quite understanding it. Then there's all the spiritual, fluffy, fluffy ethereal, Zen books on money, which were also good, but a little bit, you know, kind of fluffy with an impatient, persistent, um, you know, attritional person like me just sitting there and meditating my way to millions, you know, the, the divine laws of prosperity and the spiritual laws of wealth. I got a lot out of it. But again, it was where's the real tangible nature of it. Then you've got the, there's a lot of kind of get rich quickie books. I was really, really adamant with my publisher. I didn't want my book to be a, a get richy quick type book. Then there's the story, the history, the, the, the mindset, the psychology. There's so many different fractious niches of money. So the, that was a problem for me because there were so many books. and I had to, I've probably read hundreds of books on money. And how do you filter it all and pick out the best bits? And so that was my mission to write this book, Money, was to have it all in one place. The story, the psychology, the history, the mindset, the skill set, the strategies, the tactics, the beliefs, the future, you know, and where money is going in the future, which I, I get asked a lot, how to make it, but not in a, a get rich quickie way, in a sustainable, scalable way, how to make money and make a difference, how to do meaningful work and not just be a, um, you know, a greedy capitalist. And then looking at philanthropy and how you, you can do good with your money, like people like, like the Titans of Wealth did, like Carnegie did, like Vanderbilt did, the billionaires who have built many of the libraries and research centers and universities. So that was the problem I'm looking to solve in launching this book, Money, Know More, Make More, Give More. So if you go onto Audible or Amazon or iTunes, live now, you can get your um, copy um, for what? A few quid. Uh, and also, I just wanted you to know that um, you won't be lying in my pockets. Um, so if you think I'm a greedy capitalist bastard, you're safe, because I'm launching my new foundation. It's been, t it's been months in the making. It's a difficult legal entity to set up because obviously you're a charity and you have responsibility and we're in the throes of setting that up we're nearly there and all the profits globally 
of money on physical and audio and ebook versions and even with all the translations I'll do across the globe all of the profits are going to this foundation and this foundation is set up to help people across the globe become more educated about the realities of money to have a good relationship with it to know how it works especially underprivileged people in the developing world and young people because one of my big things is you're not taught at school well enough how to manage money you're not taught, taught basic financial management basic money management you're not taught you know basically the you're taught ec- ec- economics but you're not really taught how economics works in your world you're not taught to um, make the most out of your career financially or you know you're not taught to negotiate salaries or self-worth or fair exchange and you're not you know setting up your own business you're not talking you're not taught about making money and managing money and i think that's a inherently fundamental problem with the education system and in anyone i've ever taught it's never been about ability it's always been about education you can learn your way out of a hole you know if you can learn anything you can learn everything so if you can learn martial arts if you can learn cookery if you can learn you know better diet and fitness like many of you probably do then you can learn about money too you can learn money is a system like anything else it has laws it has ways that it works you know the word currency the latin origin of that is flow currere to flow um you know the the paradox of thrift states that if you hoard money you won't make more money even though a lot of people are trying to hoard their way to wealth um, but there's a paradox in that which is again is explained in the book so when you learn how money works and you you like the titans of wealth you take away your emotions experiences and projections and fears and doubts you don't put that onto money you just learn what money is then you can master money just like you can master any other skill or hobby how are we doing for time wow we're nearly half an hour all right so i'm getting asked a lot of questions here i'm getting asked is it available on itunes by ranjit yes it's available on itunes so it, again launched on if you're listening to the podcast go now because it's live today and that offer for the tickets to make manage and master money the two day event which by the way events like that are normally charged between 1000 and 2000 pounds plus that i have no plans to run this event again just because i want it to be a one off experience uh, yeah it's also available on audible or amazon by the way many of you are audible members because i know we have thousands of audible members that subscribe you can use a credit so you can even get my book money for free All right, I had some other questions uh, around the book as well. Uh, some of you are asking me, I've got the um copy. Um so how do I know if I'm one of the first 400? Um you just in this live video or on private message or on one of my communities or email rob.more@progressiveproperty.co.uk, just send me your receipt. You'll know if you're one of the first first 400 because we'll acknowledge that. And if you're not, then um thank you, um but this time you would miss out. Also what we're doing I forgot to mention this is that um the first 100 that get the copy we're putting you into a prize draw um now my a year's worth of mentoring with me personally um, I have about 40 people I mentor one to one personally I have celebrities and millionaires and I have people just starting up but they've got a bit of cash um is 50,000 pounds a year um I rarely do discounts on that I've done sometimes done a bit of a discount but it's never ever ever been less than 25,000 pounds a year um with one person is going to win a year's mentorship with me personally um valued at previously sold at currently sold out though 50,000 pounds so if you're one of the first 100 you will get that as well so go do that right now thanks for tuning in this was just a bit of a um what do they call it stream of consciousness rant <laughs> about money uh, it's a subject that really rewards you when you honor it the more you learn about money the more you make money it's a, it's a really rewarding thing actually it's my favorite subject 
And because it's the most polarised, i.e. love it, hate it, it's, it's the most topical, it's the most controversial. Um, ultimately, it's a reflection of humanity. Therefore, it's fundamental to humanity. Um, and what I love about it is much like anything you do, a sport, a hobby, the more time you invest into learning about it, the more rewards and the external results you get from it. And people don't understand that. I don't understand why people don't understand that. It's a simple equation. If you go down and do your martial arts four times a week and you do a bit of sparring and you learn your guitars and, you know, that kind of stuff, you're going to go from white belt all the way up to blue belt to, um, you know, to black belt. And then if you spar with black belts, you're going to get even better. And so it is with money. So why don't people read books, listen to audios, listen to podcasts? Why don't they meet up with, for lunch with millionaires and billionaires and people who've learned about money and, you know, try and get them to be their mentors or ask them questions about it? Why can't they transcend their history and their parenting and their society and their environment, park that and go, okay, money is simply a universal exchange of value and I want to learn how to create more universal value and therefore more value for me. Simple equation. All right, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Get yourself to Audible, Amazon or iTunes right now. Get a copy of the book. I promise you there will be thousands of people across the world who will be begging me for tickets to the event, um, saying, you know, I didn't go there quick enough, etc., so take my word for it. Go do that right now. Thank you for following me wherever you are in the world. Um, I'm very grateful. It's a privilege to work with you, to help you. Um, if, it, if it weren't for you, I'd still be back picking fag butts off the floor and going down KFC and licking people's fingers. I'd be so skint. Um, but I think that the fact that I have been very skint and just a couple of weeks away from losing everything I had, which wasn't much, but everything, and my dignity... Uh, and I've managed to turn it around and, you know, what do they call people who've made tens of millions, a decamillionaire? Um, I think that gives me some experience that I can share with you. I'm always a student, never fully, you know, I commit to you that by the time you've listened to this book, I'll be listening to more work and I'll be studying more work and I'll be sharing with you the next level. So I'll always be honouring you to give you the best information to take you up and 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 up. So stay along for the ride. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Have a great day.